Hey guys, Gabe here. So what you're listening to is the audio from a video review I did for the Outer Rim YouTube channel. The Outer Rim is a Star Wars Facebook group that James and I are admins in, and I, along with my fellow admins, will be doing reviews for each episode of The Bad Batch as they air. If you want to see the full video reviews, you can find them on YouTube at The Outer Rim, a Star Wars channel. But I will also be posting the audio here in the feed in podcast form. So without further ado, here is my review of the series premiere of the latest Star Wars animated show, The Bad Batch. Hey guys, and welcome back to The Outer Rim. I'm Gabe Green, and today I'll be talking about the season premiere of The Bad Batch. Normally and in future, I will be talking about these episodes with one of my fellow Outer Rim admins, but today the one who was supposed to be talking about this with me decided to go and get his wisdom teeth removed, and for some reason he didn't feel like talking a lot right now. So uh, for this episode, it is just me. But for the rest of the season, I do expect to be joined by one or more of my admins. And as I said, today I will be talking about episode one of The Bad Batch, Aftermath. Um, and if you would rather listen to this in audio form, you can find it over on my podcast feed, Franchise Fatigue. I will be posting all the audio from our Bad Batch reviews onto that feed, which can be found at franchisefatiguepodcast.podbean.com or just search Franchise Fatigue Podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. All right, so Aftermath was written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni and directed by Stuart Lee, Saul Ruiz, and Nathaniel Villanueva. And the story editor was Matt Mishnovitz, and he's notable because he was the creator of The Bad Batch. He also wrote uh, one of my favorite arcs, the Umbara arc. And, and this series, having him on the story team, gives me a lot of confidence that we might be in for something pretty special. So I wasn't hugely excited when I first heard about the uh, Bad Batch series announced. I enjoyed that arc. I thought it was a very solid, action-heavy Clone Wars arc. But the characters themselves uh, weren't all that interesting to me. However, uh, since the announcement, I've become steadily more and more interested. Um, one, because I think the era... I think the era directly after the Clone Wars and going into the Rise of the Empire is ripe for a lot of fascinating storytelling. And because I just love the Clone Wars and I am just very happy to be back in a show with the same, you know, with the exact same Clone Wars aesthetic. And this is pretty much clo the Clone Wars season eight. It even opens with the Clone Wars title that burns away to the Bad Batch. We get the, um, the classic newsreel style opening uh, narration from Tom Kane, uh, which is exactly like the Clone Wars. So it, it feels like we're just going to another Clone Wars episode. And the, and the animation style and tone of it is all exactly the same. So it just feels like you're going right back home. And I'm just very happy to be back with this kind, with this kind of Star Wars story. So this series opens off with a 70-minute premiere. And I think it did feel a little long. I think a tidy 60 minutes would have been great. But that's a pretty small complaint. It's, it never... It only just it only drags a tiny little bit here and there. It's never boring. So this series opens right up on Order 66, and I love the way it's done here. It happens so fast. There's no buildup or slow-mo or dramatic music. We just suddenly see Depa Balaba and her uh, apprentice, Caleb, Do Caleb Doom, fighting for their lives. And we're just kind of left in shock. And we also see it from the perspective of the Bad Batch, just from a distance. And, and they just see like some scuffling happening and nobody knows what's going on. The Bad Batch has no idea. The Jedi have no idea. And it just happens and it's over and our characters are left 
wondering like what is going on the their entire the entire galaxy changes in the snap of a finger and the jedi are gone the clone you know the clone army is now loyal to palpatine and we're now the empire and by by the time anyone actually realizes what has happened and the, the momentous change that has happened for the galaxy it's our, it's too late and the empire is entrenched and the republic is over and it's like that for our characters they don't know what's going on so they they just go back to base and all these changes are in place and they just kind of go along with it until they, until they can't um but I, I like how it shows that just most normal people would just go with the flow and and sure this would be a massive change they wouldn't like it but most people would just feel helpless and not and not understand enough of, about what was happening to, you know to stand up and fight and the few who would would just be cut down immediately um also it was really awesome seeing Caleb Doom um and it was really subtle because if you if you had if you hadn't seen Rebels or even if you had seen Rebels but it had been a while you probably wouldn't realize that this is Kanan Jarrus from that show because it, it, there's no there's no real references aside from him being voiced by uh, Freddie Prince Jr. It's just there. It's super subtle. It it's part of the story of this episode, and he escapes, and you know it doesn't keep cutting back to him. This is the kind of subtle world building Easter eggs that I really enjoy. Not just the big in your face references, but stuff that's just woven into the story and it, you know, it happens. And it, if you know, you know, and if you don't, it doesn't bother you. So they all go back to Camino, and it's clear that Crosshair um, is being affected by Order sixty six. The rest of the the rest of the Bad Batch, whatever kind of genetic defects and mutations they had that make that make them special, also. Um, undid the uh the inhibitor chip control in their brains but apparently it wasn't enough the changes weren't enough for crosshair and he's being affected he has the line you know good soldiers follow orders and while all the the rest of the bad batch are are kind of horrified by the changes that are happening he just goes right along with it and i think this was a very very smart um decision by the by the story team to have one of their own on the side of the empire and hunting them it should bring a lot of a lot of potential for dramatic storytelling farther on as we get towards the climax of the series. There are a lot of interesting developments in this premiere. Uh, one of them being this new clone child, Omega, um, who is a girl, which is uh, pretty unique for the clones. And we don't we get hardly any explanations for who she is and what her purpose is. They don't tell us whether or not she was created intentionally, or is she another defective like the Bad Batch. She's just there working for Nala Say, who seems to be very protective of her, and which is interesting because uh, Nala Say is definitely not a good character. She was the primary Keminoan uh, in the clone conspiracy arc, uh, trying to kill fives. She knew to she totally knew about Order 66. She helped kill all the Jedi and overthrow the Republic. So she's not a good character, but she's protective of Omega, which and and there seems to be an inf interesting conflict rising up between the Keminoans and the Empire. To where they helped overflow, overthrow the Republic, but now Tarkin is coming in and he's canceling all their clone contracts and, you know, and uh, exterminating, trying to exterminate Clone Force ninety nine. So maybe they'll be kind of unlikely allies further on in the series, which will be a very interesting development for characters who are pretty villainous. Uh, but back to Omega herself. Being the only girl and another quote-unquote defective, she feels a strong uh, kinship with the Bad Batch and is constantly trying to get into their good graces and just hang out with them, even though they don't really want anything to do with her at first. 
uh, because all the other clones look at her as just another weirdo the same way they look at the Bad Batch. And so she automatically gravitates towards them. And there seems to be the possibility that she is force sensitive. In the scene in the cell, she seemed to be having some kind of connection with Crosshair and reading his thoughts. Also towards the end when they're trying to escape from the hangar, she senses Crosshair and the other clones coming to arrest them on the other side of the hangar door before it even opens up. So this might turn into a story of them protecting this Force-sensitive child from the Empire, which could bring in possibly Inquisitors? Maybe Darth Vader himself? He could show up in this show looking for her? I'm not sure that is where they're going. There doesn't seem to be any hint of that in the promotional material, but they have another 15 episodes, so this story really could go in any direction. Or this could just be me reading into it, but there are some definite hints that there's something special about this girl. Whether it's Force sensitivity or something else, there, there's a secret here, and we're definitely going to find out about it in further uh, further episodes. And I think she's a fun character. Um, she's not annoying, not too, not terribly precocious. She's intelligent. She seems to have some of the clone combat programming, so she's not going to be helpless in a fight. And so far, all of these uh, Lucasfilm animation shows have have given us the child character, be it Ahsoka or Ezra or um, Kaz uh, from Resistance. But it is a trope I enjoy. Uh, as Lucas has always said, you know, Star Wars is for kids. And despite this show being very serious, continuing off the Clone Wars, which is a pretty serious series, they're always trying to make sure it's all, it's also accessible to children. And I think that's, that's appropriate. You know, not, not making it a dumb kid show, but having an avenue for children to be able to come in and connect with it through this new character, Omega. And uh, so far, I like her a lot. You know, I ho hope they don't turn her into a brat or something like that. That'll be irritating. But so far, I don't have any problem with her. Another interesting thing is how much Tarkin hates clones. That's not something I entirely understand from this episode because he seems to hate the idea of clones. He's canceling all the, all the Republic contracts with the Kaminoans, but also the reason he, he, he hates the Bad Batch is because they are disobedient and they don't they don't have unswerving allegiance to whatever orders given by the Empire. So he wants them exterminated, but also he wants to get rid of the clones who are all, aside from the Bad Batch, unswervingly loyal to the Empire. They're literally programmed to do that. They can't they cannot disobey. So it's odd that he wants he hates the Bad Batch for being uh, for not being entirely loyal, but he wants to get rid of an entirely loyal army in favor of conscripts who have minds of their own. <laughs> I, I don't entirely get his uh, his issue with clones, but he still is a very effective foil, uh, voiced again by the great Stephen Stanton, who does a very good uh, Peter Cushing impersonation. So to prove their loyalty, the clones are sent back to Onderon, and they are sent to kill uh, Saw Gerrera and his new band of rebels. This is another, I think, very good connection back to the larger Clone Wars and the larger Star Wars story. Saw is just a fascinating character, and I'm always happy to see him again. He always brings an interesting dynamic. Then they go back to Camino and uh, they're they're arrested. Then they break out of prison and they escape. But uh, Crosshair is a uh, he has his uh, Order sixty six programming increased, so now he's fully on the villain side. And we have what is my favorite scene from this episode is the standoff and then the, and the fight in the hangar uh, where he comes and confronts the rest of the Bad Batch. And it's a very well done scene. There's some really legitimate tension. Um, and it's dark. This show is not afraid to go dark, whether it's it's Water 66, where 
where uh, we see we watch Kanan running away and we just hear the screams as his master Depabalaba is killed or in the climax where Crosshair just shoots Wrecker and wounds him and leaves him in the open to try and lure out the other people to help him which is really dark for an animated show and he's he's constantly going for the kill shot for very for any time one of the other clones or even Omega kind of looks out so and it's 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 quite dark and quite intense and overall a very well done sequence but they escape and they head off to uh, Sector J-19, which I miss this reference, but other people apparently are saying that this is where the planet Seleucami is. And that and Seleucami is where Kutlaquan is. And if you don't know him, he is from the Clone Wars episode, The Deserter. He's the clone that left the army and is, is off on. A, he has a farm and a family and children uh, on this planet, uh, Seleucami. It's one of my favorite episodes of The Clone Wars, so that would be interesting. I would love to see him again. I think he'll have a strong thematic connection to the Bad Batch being a clone who has defied his programming and has chosen his own life. I think he'd fit into the show quite nicely. So overall, I think it's a very solid premiere. Pretty much what I was expecting, just a solid Clone Wars show. Since the Bad Batch aren't deeply interesting characters on their own, I... I don't expect this show to ever be truly great. I'm I'm willing and very, and hoping I'm proven wrong there. But I also think this show this, I think the bad batch arc from season 7 and this and this season premiere are showing that this series is going to be good. At the very least a baseline of good, at times very good. And honestly, I'm fine with that. Not every show is going to have going to be able to reach the heights of the umbara arc or the wrong jedi arc or something like that and i love this the aesthetic and style of the clone wars i love all the various characters it's just a world i love spending time in and even if the show never reaches the greatness of clone wars or rebels it's still going to be a good time it's going to be a show that i'm going to be thrilled to sit down and watch every friday all right so that was aftermath I hope you enjoyed my review, and if you did, uh, please like this video and subscribe to the Outer Rim channel on YouTube, and join us over on the Outer Rim, a Star Wars group on Facebook. It's a Star Wars group that's devoted to positive and constructive conversation on the entire Star Wars saga. You're not going to find any of the sequel hate or the prequel hate or Disney hate in there. It's all just people who love Star Wars and want to talk about it in a constructive way. So if that sounds interesting, come over and join us in the Outer Rim. And if you enjoy listening to me talk about Star Wars, check out my podcast, Franchise Fatigue Podcast, over at FranchiseFatiguePodcast.com. On that show, uh, me and my other Outer Rim admin, James, talk about film series one movie at a time, and we covered the entire Star Wars saga a couple years ago. All the movies, all the TV shows, we talked about it all. And if you want to hear me talk about Star Wars, you can go back You can go back through the feed and find all those reviews. They were a lot of fun. And I'm very proud of the exploration we did of the Star Wars saga. All right, that's all for this review, and I will see you in a couple days with our review for episode two, hopefully with another one of our admins. See you then.